and the aircon turned off. It's perfect. We are we are just having luck right now. We really are. I mean, all things considered. All things considered. This is about as good as it could get. I mean, here we are. We're on the TikTok live. We are. Jester is licking something for the viewers at home right now. Yep, your cat has no shame. I mean, I wouldn't either if I was a feline. True. You probably wouldn't have the concept of shame. Yeah, especially because she 100% knows that she kind of runs runs the show around here. Yeah, she poops in places she's not supposed to. She knocks over our cups. And there's very little we can do about it. I mean... The poop, the pooping is just a, a behavior reinforcement thing that I need to work on. But other than, other than that, she's a very good cat. I love her dearly. Very good. She's adorable. She hasn't joined us for the last couple of recordings. She's kind of just like fucked off and done her own thing. Yeah. So I'm glad that we coaxed her into laying in bed while we recorded today. I'm sure she will stand up and uh, uh, you know not want to be here eventually. I mean, that's just how cats be. Better she'll fall asleep for the entire hour. Who knows? Yeah, can't hold them down. Anyway, this is the Dungeon Bros podcast. Mm-hmm. We, so, are, we are them, the Dungeon Bros. We are the Dungeon Bros. We are still not brothers. But we're, and also still not in a dungeon. No, no. We, we really do need to remedy the lack of dungeon. Mm. Uh, what, what do you suggest? I mean, we've previously joked... About the sex dungeon, um, for all the sex, yeah, that isn't happening in this home. Correct. As we have discussed with uh, another person that we know in real life, the dildo maiden, yeah, iron an iron maiden of dildos, um, would be a wonderful addition to such a a, a depravis depravis to, to, to a den of depravity like that. There we go. All right, a den sure. of depravity. Um. I suppose. Or we could make like a D&D dungeon where we, we have creepy wall paintings and people play D&D with us down there. Well, I figured that just kind of went without saying that that's, that that's how that would go eventually. I feel a lot of people wouldn't play D&D with us if we had uh, uh, faux medieval torture implements that faux? are faux. That were also very phallic. I mean... Obsessively phallic, some might say. I would argue that more people would play D&D with us in such a situation. Different kinds of people would play D&D with us. I mean, Salem would still play. Yeah. Darren would still play. Probably. He would just give us a hard time about it and be uncomfortable. That's okay. That's how he constantly is, so... Jacob wouldn't judge us. He would not approve, but he would he would recognize that we have our own way of life that's different from his. Yes. He'd be very respectful about it. He would, he, he would inquire and want to like educate himself on our den of depravity. He is, he is a very courteous person. We are all the better for knowing him. But we are not no. the courteous ones here. We, uh, do, we do our best. We just we don't do, try that hard. Well... That's fair. We are courteous. We just, we're not that, we're not that guy, pal. You know? You're not that guy. We're not that guy. Anyway, we will be discussing D&D. 
We will. As we always do. We do. We have a couple news stories. Nothing nothing too major. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about cantrips. Cantrips, yes. As, as you all know, the damaging cantrips, they level up with you as your character levels up and deals more damage as you level up. Now, the other non-damage dealing cantrips do not have such a mechanic where they improve as they level up. Uh, but there's a wonderful homebrew that uh, I found on Reddit a long time ago by Kreos125, a.k.a. Yunki, with help of Lotrien and many other artists. And they worked on a homebrew where they created a 5th, 11th, and 17th level improvement for all of the PHB non-damage dealing cantrips. And I believe there might be a couple in here that are from others, but I don't quite remember. Anyway. Anyway, we're putting the cart before the horse here. There's beef on TikTok. There right is now. beef. There is some big beef going on between the council and the Vancelord and a rogue named Shay. Who's been spilling, spilling some beans out there of uh, many male secrets mm-hmm. of the world that the council has kept safe for generations. Now, I would argue the council should not be keeping these secrets from the people of this world. And that they've been possibly a bit oppressive to the people of the world by denying them the opportunity to learn about the pocket junk scratch, for example. The tuck behind, if you will. Some things that are passed down from... Passed down from man to man, generation to generation. Sometimes skipping a generation, but they always come back. They always come back. They always come back. Universal experiences of man truths one might say truths truths that we have been shamed for that we have hidden uh and i i I really i really do i am pro rogue Hmm. i want i want to spill all of the secrets to everyone just so that we can remove the stigma surrounding some things as the long step to stretch and to to separate your junk from your thigh on a hot, sweaty day, if you will. It's 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 a terribly uh, uh, unfortunate thing that we have to hide behind these these uh, these performances of, oh, I'm I'm just needing to do a lunge. Yeah. So just, now is a lunge time. No, it's not a lunge. It's not a lunge. It's time. not a lunge time. It's never a lunge time. Well, I do some lunges now and then. Well, since we're talking about exercise now, <laughs> something I don't do. Exercise. Is exercise. Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. I, I was. I'm a. I'm a retired athlete. Not professional. Non-professional athlete, but a retired athlete nonetheless. High school athlete. High school athlete. And uh, though I do not exercise, I have been watching my caloric intake. Very proud of myself. I'm. I'm limiting the amount of calories I'm intaking these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Already lost two and a half pounds, and it hasn't even been a month. So little and, steps and. I really haven't changed anything about my diet other than I just like pay attention to what I'm eating and by keeping track of it and knowing like what my headroom is for the day. Yeah. You know, it's one of the big things to success is making sure you're still enjoying your life. I've never understood the people who are like, I will lose weight by eating plain potatoes and boiled chicken and kale. Yeah. I don't like boiled chicken. Yeah. 
Yeah. No. No, there's so many better ways to cook chicken, even without the extra, like, olive oil or anything. Sear it. Grill it. Yeah. Ooh, love a grilled chicken. Just some fucking salt and pepper and in a pan, like a dry pan. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It'll be great. I don't know. That's that's neither here nor there. We're just we're just kind of meandering around. Well, I actually did have a. I had a thought because uh, I have. What's her name? No, not that kind of thought. The the thinking kind. Oh, the thinking kind. Okay. Surprisingly, I do have those occasionally. Um, the but, thinking kind. Yes, the, the thinking, thinking kind. kind. Yes, <laughs> uh, not the other kind. I I often have, as as you are well aware, when I do work work remotely and so i'll have my you know my computer set to my work on one side and on my second monitor I'll often have a, a show maybe it's youtube recently it's been hulu recently it's been master chef master uh, chef really really enjoying master chef um love gordon ramsay just telling people that they're idiots uh but if you could be on a reality tv show of any kind doesn't have to be cooking mm. what which one would you go on Big Brother. Big Brother? Big Brother. Big Brother. That one's fun. Um, I mean, it's literally just a bunch of attractive people, which I know I'm not one of, but I'd be surrounded by attractive people, mm. both male and female, just to be surrounded by them all the time. Uh, the, the idea of the interpersonal politics just I find hilarious because they always make it so much more dramatic than it needs to. Oh, well, yeah. And, I would just be living it up because I because I would participate, but I would have like really no stake in it. <laughs> you you do have a flair for the dramatic. I would love it. I would love it so much. Not to mention the games that they play on Big Brother, much like any reality show where people get eliminated from time to time, seem very enjoyable. Hmm. It would be a good time. I feel like I'd have a lot of fun in that house, and I would be I would be the person that would like, oh, this giant wall of mirror that totally has cameras behind it. I'm just gonna look at it for a while. Like <laughs> just I, I, I would pointedly get a, stare. I would get a segment on at least a couple of those shows of me just like staring at the cameras and like doing goofy shit. Hundred percent would do Big Brother. A similar style of show being Survivor, but Survivor I feel like requires a lot more of me. Yeah. Than Big Brother would. So I would go with Big Brother. Sure enough. All right. I, I was never allowed to watch Big Brother as a child. Me neither. I watched um, it uh, with one of uh, one of my uh, college girlfriends. Gotcha. Um, one of, like, my college girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> she was a very big fan and, and got me into it. I have not watched it since, but it was a good okay. time. Well, there you go. I Like I said, I've never watched it, so I don't exactly know what the games are, but I can imagine they're pretty generic tests of skill. You know, some intelligence-based things, some speed, some some dexterity. Need the, always need the dexterity. Always need the dexterity. Endurance. Endurance, of course. You know. Sometimes they just, like, <laughs> they just hurt each other. <laughs> it's just hilarious. American Gladiator style. American Gladiator. Yeah, a little bit. A, a little, little bit. bit. Sometimes. A little puffy thing hitting another thing. Like a, like a American Gladiator meets, like, Takeshi's Castle. Okay. You know what I mean? Like wipe out, kind of. Sure, things that uh, if they weren't competing for money, people would probably like you go might be do it like a carnival. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, pay an overpriced to do a shitty version of. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I personally would. Uh, I've been told by multiple people actually that they think I would do well in Master Chef. Up to that point, this point, I have not watched Master Chef, so I had no idea. And I think I would do fine. I, I feel like. Though your cooking is lovely. Thank you. I feel like you would fare better on, on like, an amazing race. 
Interesting. More than a, a master chef. But here's the thing. Travel is one of my hells. Yeah. But I you're do, fast. I do move fast. You're rapid. I'm quick. Like a rabbit. Plus, in a, in an amazing race situation, you're not having. I think a lot of the stress of travel is the planning and the and the executing. Whereas with amazing race, you're just like, I'm going. Like you're just going. You're all. You're constantly going. You don't have a moment to think, so you don't have a moment to get stressed. Really. Well, for me, it's like, okay, some of it is you know the the planning is obviously rough, uh, but I can also do the thing where it's like, all right, we're leaving tomorrow. Cool, we're stopping in this town. There's a hotel. Okay, I've purchased my hotel room. Uh, for me, I. I just really hate sitting in cars and on planes for hours and hours and hours on end. That's fair. That's fair. Anyway, this is ostensibly. Ostensibly. The Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Did I ever tell you about the uh, drinking game that Andy said he would play if he was a drinker? Would be every time you said the word ostensibly, he would take a shot. Ostensibly. Yeah. Hmm. So if you're playing that drinking game, uh, ostensibly. Ostensibly. A D&D podcast. Ostensibly a D&D podcast. Ostensibly. And Andy, just for you? Ostensibly. A D&D podcast. A D&D podcast. <laughs> you, if, you, if you like us, you've probably found us on the TikTok, though we also have a YouTube page. You can subscribe to us there. That's where we post these podcasts, as well as podcasting services around the globe. Mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere. It's all available. Yeah. We'd love for you to go listen. not right now all free no ads no ads no ads we're not big enough happily would chill happily would chill oh we are suckers yes yes you can also ask us questions in the tiktok live chat if you are watching live as well as in the uh, podcast questions text channel of our discord server a link to which you can find in the description or in one of the social links on pretty much any of our social media sites indeed that being said We've got a couple. We got a couple D and D things to talk about today. Some news. Not too much happening in the D and D news world recently, but yeah, we found a few things outside of outside of book releases. There's not a whole lot going on right now. So there's like no unearthed arcana. There's no particularly interesting things going on in the world of uh, Wizards of the Coast specifically, though there are some interesting D and D adjacent things going on. For example, right now, as reported by pcgamesn.com as well as many other gaming websites. This was just the first one that popped up for me. Neverwinter, the D&D MMORPG, is about to release their next module, Dragonborn Veil. It should be out by the time you're listening to this podcast. Neverwinter is a free-to-play MMORPG in the world of Faerun, one of the planes of existence in D&D. Uh, right now, this uh, Dragonborn Veil is going to be a story uh, signaling Val- Valindra Shadowmantle in the Cult of Dragons, where they move to bring undeath to dragons across Faerun and beyond using an ancient artifact that's come into their possession. Module ushers in the new Adventure Zone, as well as heroic encounters, and even a grappling hook mechanic. Love a good grappling hook mechanic. That lets you traverse around the game's world in a whole new way. And you can find some really great uh, first looks at Dragonborn Vale on the YouTubes. Uh, they've got a lot of clips going around. Uh, are you an MMO? Are you an MMO guy? I, I've never been an MMO guy. Um, I've always, I've always kind of like thought about it. Like I, they, uh, a lot of them look cool, but not uh, never actually delved into one. Never delved into one. 
Uh, one of my college roommates played Final Fantasy fourteen a lot, like a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a fairly acclaimed MMORPG right now. Um, though most of my experience is with uh, RuneScape Classic. Mm, yes, back in that back in the uh, like two thousand seven to two thousand and ten range. Very very big fan into that. Never paid for it. Was never a member. <laughs> but I did the free-to-play, and I did like pretty much everything that you could do in RuneScape. Um, very good time. Uh, this, the uh, Neverwinter MMORPG, I mean, looks stunning compared to any MMO I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> it's been um, a couple years now, though. It's been, it's been a few years. It also looks uh, fairly comparable to Final Fantasy XIV and art style um i'm sure they're also running it on just like beast pcs for all of the um screenshots and videos that they have oh definitely but looks neat i love the idea of a free-to-play D mmorpg if that is your jam um i mean check it out if you if you like dandy if you like mmorpgs you might dig it it's free very low barrier to entry and uh it seems like they have a whole lot of really cool expansions available yeah, I always find it interesting. Um, I mean, D&D video games have been produced since D&D came out, you know, really, um, on, on the oldest of consoles and every generation there since. It always it interests me which ones, you know, have success. And clearly this one has some good success uh, to continuously put out content. Yep. Uh, recently, last October, Baldur's Gate 3... Yeah, is a, a recent Dungeons and Dragons inspired uh, role playing game series, uh, much closer to like your uh, like a, a Diablo esque. I don't know. If, ah, that doesn't feel right. It's a it's a cool RPG. Yeah. <laughs> it recently came out. It got fairly good scores. There was a demo out for a while. A lot of if right at the beginning with character creation it looks exactly like D. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's all, it's got all the same stats, it's got all the same races. It's it's D&D, about as D&D as it gets. Yeah. I mean, if people are wanting to play within, you know, play around with the the idea of D&D and without, you know, playing if you can't play D&D with your group, video games never a, never a bad option. Mhm. As reported by comicbook.com as well as many other many outlets, others. many others. Uh Wizards of the Coast had planned to produce a Dungeons and Dragons television show inspired by one of its most unique campaign settings, Spelljammer. Mm-hmm. Back in 2002, Wizards of the Coast filed a trademark for Spelljammer, a space fantasy setting involving magic ships sailing through a sea of gas-like Flogiston. I have no clue what that is. I don't know what that is either. Flogiston. All right. To reach worlds encased in glass spheres. The Wizards of the Coast filed the trademark for, quote, entertainment services in the nature of an ongoing television series and production of motion pictures. The old trademark was eventually abandoned in 2004, and that trademark came to light recently in a forum post on the Piazza, a D&D-focused website. Now, it's very interesting that Wizards of the Coast was going for a D&D universe television show back in the early 2000s and late 90s um the late 90s i feel like the 90s in general were a pretty good time for D, but coming out of the 90s at the turn of, of at the turn of the century turn of the millennia if you will hmm. 
uh, definitely kind of went back underground, it seems. But part of it was also Spelljammer is obviously a a, a space odyssey advan- adventure um, sort of thing. But, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s was very big into a lot of uh, space media. You know, Star Wars was the the prequels. The prequels were coming out. Um, Space Jam. Space Jam. (laughs) Come on and slam and welcome to Space Jam. Um, But if the article goes on to say that the that uh, TSR um, had uh, work, tried to uh, work Spelljammer more earlier in the in the 90s. Um, trying to create a board game that had a live action, basically TV show that went along with it, mm. um, and there's a YouTube video connected to the article, and it is hilariously low budget. <laughs> like oh, yeah. the '90s did create, you know, the '80s, '90s definitely had some, some great, great movies, great movies, including great space movies. movies. Yes, um, this was not one of them. Yeah, then you, then you have like the Power Rangers movie. And <laughs> this was below the Power Rangers and movie. The, the, oh, I'm oh boy. <laughs> Even TMNT, the live action. Hey man, I watched the first one was good. I watched the shit out of those when I was a oh, kid. Oh, same, same. The first one was great. Second, the, the other two were a little shakier. Yeah, didn't do be like that. But but <laughs> but uh, for those that are interested in Spelljammer, it does look like it is all but confirmed. That Wizards of the Coast plans on reviving the Spelljammer setting, and apparently the D and D design team is working on a retooling of the core rules, as we know, in 2024, and they suspect that a Spelljammer they might be able, uh, there might be some tweaks in there to make it a little bit more Spelljammer friendly for any future campaign setting book that might come out. And as we know, uh, uh, Wizards is looking to put out more uh, uh, campaign settings in general. Because obviously, obviously, there's a lot in the way of uh, high fantasy and classic fantasy, and you know, in all the books we've we've we own, mm-hmm. um, kind of I think, you know, uh, Strixhaven being one of those that kind of veers into a different form of fantasy, mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, a little bit more towards that Harry Potter inspired fantasy, uh, as we talked about on our third podcast, fourth, fourth. Yes, on the fourth podcast, go check it out. On the um, fourth podcast, but, Strixhaven uh, came to me. We we we'd go into we go a deep delve into Strixhaven, but so yeah, uh, uh, more campaign settings involving a wider range of of areas that uh, mm-hmm. I think other R- TTRPGs cover a little. Um, you know, maybe like the Star Wars tabletop roleplay game covers space, and um, there are others that cover like Wild West and things like that, but. So that's that's definitely an area that uh, wizards can move into a little more with their official modules. I agree. Uh, I also think they've recognized that campaign settings and uh, rule supplements tend to sell a bit better in for the for the books than adventure modules do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's partially why they advertised Strixhaven as a campaign setting, even though it really is an adventure module. It really is. So I'm sure they're looking at more campaign settings that they can release i mean their partnership they've partnered with magic the gathering to bring strixhaven and uh, they're going to be bringing other magic the gathering um planes as well they've partnered with critical role mm-hmm. to bring critical role campaign settings in the wild mountain and Tal'Dorei will get a re an, a wiz- an official wizards release yep. later Tal'Dorei this year i believe or next year uh, it should be the, it's this year it's this year it's in a couple of months i don't even know what year it is yeah 
Regardless. <laughs> Regardless. Love to love to check out a spell jammers. I'm not as big of a sci-fi person. You're not. But like space fantasy, I'm, I'm more, a little bit more open to. I'm sure a lot of it could be converted into high seas as opposed to space, but we'll, okay. we'll have to see. We will be sure to follow our podcast and wait when that comes out. Indeed. We'll be on that. Indeed. Indeed. Our last news story of the day comes from uh, Milwaukee Independent. Hmm. Slaying social anxiety. The world's most successful role-playing game could provide a sanctuary of comfort amid the chaos for those struggling with post-lockdown angst following the pandemic. So this is uh, this is obviously psychology delving into um, delving into the world of our, of tabletop role-play games, and it's not the first time. I definitely had uh, seen articles in the past where therapists are using D and D to help break the barriers that a lot of um, people have when it comes to actually talking about their mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wizards of the Coast released a report showing that of its estimated 50 million players, 54% were younger than 30 and 40% identified as female. Uh, there's a lot more demographic breakdowns of the player base for D&D. And this article really goes into the recent growth in D&D and the new demographic of people playing it and why. Uh, delving into... Uh, the feeling of isolation that people had even pre-pandemic and during pandemic and finding uh, outlets through D&D either playing or watching like Critical Role, mm-hmm. Dimension 20, etc. And how um, storytelling and collaborating even digitally via Zoom or Roll20 or I've, I've heard of people even playing text on Discord mm-hmm. and how that has... Uh, generally helped people it's nice it's nice to see that people are taking D seriously positively yes. and not some devil worship nonsense yes um when no no repeats of the satanic panic coming down the line thankfully uh but i mean obviously the pandemic uh showed showed may, uh, changed a lot of perspectives i mean there's a, a meme format you know one of the memes that goes around is like oh Look at this headline that was posted in in 2019, and it's like video games are killing America. And then in 2020, video games are saving America because then, people are now being able to play video games instead of going crazy during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting how things that are just kind of on the outside are castigated and put down for so long, hmm. and then a sort of collective trauma happens to people and they realize, Oh, this thing that we just didn't understand is actually really cool and helping people. Oh yeah. And it's, it's nice that like a serious publication is, is talking about D and D. They get into a little bit of uh, Strixhaven and talk about magic, the gathering and art and how, um, and how it kind of draws from popular culture, mm-hmm. like Harry Potter and stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a good little read. Highly recommend if you know anyone with social anxiety or or any sorts of issues, um, encourage them to play D anD. d Yeah, obviously, obviously. I actually used to work with a girl. Uh, I used to work at a board game bar, and there was a um, host there who she had terrible social anxiety, so she had to literally uh, in, in in the working, not literally, but she would put on a mask to be able to take t- people to tables, but then. I, I, you know, after a couple months of working with her, we, she was actually able to talk to me. Uh, she said that she loved playing D and D, but the only way she could play was when she put on 
a wizard hat and a fake beard. Um, hey, I respect that. It's, gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, you know what? She, uh, that was her thing. And, uh, I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum. I just find it a very, uh, yuck anybody's yum. Mm-hmm. Pretty common phrase. I've, that one made me feel uncomfy. Really? That made you feel uncomfy? <laughs> <sighs> From time to time. From time to time. Anyway, let's get into the meat of what we're talking about here. Yes. Yes. The meat, 30 minutes in, of what we're talking about. Little, little it bit. might not be exactly 30 minutes. Don't freaking sue me. All right. As we're recording, it's 30 minutes. We were talking about a lovely little bit of homebrew uh, that I discovered on the Reddits mm, quite a while ago. Indeed. And as we said before, it is uh, made by user... Uh, Kreos125, a.k.a. Yoonkey, with the help of Lotrian, as well as uh, a, a small smattering of artists that have some beautiful art for this. Um, they took the idea where damaging cantrips level up at level 5, 11, and 17 to increase the damage die. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took that concept of adding abilities to cantrips at level 5, 11, and 17 to like, every other cantrip in... The player's handbook. Yeah. And we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about like pretty much all of them. We've got time. We will start alphabetical order. Blade Ward. Do, 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 do. Blade Ward. Samuel. Yes. What does Blade Ward do? Blade Ward. Until the end of your next turn, you have resistance against bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, damage, dealt by weapon attacks. Bum, bum, yeah. Uh, not a great cantrip. No, especially because it is an action. Yeah, a full action to gain resistance to physical damage. Uh, doesn't negate any elemental damage, poison damage, radiant, necro- none of it. And it specifies by weapon attacks, so yeah, if it, you get a hit by a spell that causes slashing damage. Yeah, but if you get hit by, say, a catapult, yeah, there's a spell that de- deals bludgeoning damage. It's not going to help you. No. Also... Spending your entire action to take half damage, maybe, is really not the best use of your time. It's something that happens passively for the Barbarian in their rage. But, with this homebrew, at level 5, Cantrip gains a range of 30 feet and can affect one creature of your choice. So it doesn't have to just affect you. You can use it on party members, which I would argue is more in the spirit of what this cantrip really should have been to begin with. I think so too. Um, We've, we've discussed it in previously is the being able to cast on yourself as an action doesn't help you because you can just dodge. You can run away. You can do a bunch of things, but being able to cast on an, as a, on a friendly creature, maybe they're in combat being able to, defend them, help them defend themselves or keep them from going down maybe mm-hmm. far more useful especially if uh you're using some bonus action spells oh, and yeah. it's great at uh we'll just r- go through the other two quickly at 11th level you can ignore the verbal component of the spell which just lets you kind of more stealthily do it mm-hmm. and so if you're bound you're from mouth is if you're gagged yes and uh, at 17th level, both you and a target within 30 feet get the benefit at the same time. Mm-hmm. So just kind of quality of life things. That real, The big buff there is that 5th level ability that actually makes it more useful. It does. But if I had a player that took Blade Ward, 
I might just let them cast it at other people anyway, like just as a baseline thing, because that's that's really what makes that cantrip like worth taking is the the ability to defend allies. The other one I've done is uh, given uh, one of my players a magic item that lets them cast as a bonus action three yes. times per day. Yes. Next is Control Flames. It is a cantrip in Xanathar's that lets you control a flame. You can control non-magic flames uh, within, you can see within range, um, ex- expanding the flame, extinguishing it, uh, doubling or having the brightness, and uh, cause it to form simple shapes. Yep. Uh, with this homebrew at fifth level, you can quadruple the area of bright light or dim light cast by the flame instead of half or double. At 11th, you can have up to six non-instantaneous effects active at a time and can dismiss such as a bonus action. You may also choose to affect any non-magical flames within range for the purpose of making them brighter or dimmer. Basically, now you can use like affect like the forever flame torch. Yes. At 17th level, you can affect flames within a 10-foot cube, may expand the flame five feet in any direction, provided that fuel is present in the new location, and the duration of non-instantaneous effects increases to 24 hours. All just sort of small little quality of life, making it more useful. If you're taking control flames, you probably already have an idea for where you want to use it for, mm-hmm. and this just makes it easier. Yes, that's yeah, that's. About I think all. that's a lot of these are um, some some are, are are cantrips that you're already going to be taking because they're pretty good, uh, and these are just going to increase them just a little bit more. Others are going to change them to make it useful. One such example: dancing lights. The next one, many people are going to be t- creating uh, or taking, many people are going to be taking dancing lights. I believe it lets you create four orbs of light, sheds, what, five, ten feet? Sheds, uh, dim light in a ten foot radius. Yep. I have dancing lights as uh, for my wizard Lucian. Yep. Uh, at fifth level, when you create the lights, you may choose any amount of them to shed bright, bright light in a ten foot radius and then dim light in ten feet, just making it. More useful, more bright, spread yeah. it out. Um, 11th level. You can create six lights and ignore the concentration if you simply make them float around within five feet of you. A very useful thing, since it is a concentration spell, makes it not very useful in combat situations if you need to see. Exactly, or yeah, or as you, need to, you want to be holding some other concentration spell at the time. Yeah. And with the increased range that you get at the fifth level up, it letting them stay really close to you is not going to diminish their effect too much, giving you a pretty good radius around you that you can see. Finally, at 17th level, you can create eight lights, have them combine into a vaguely humanoid form of large size. Used to be medium, now it's large. And that's just a little fun. More lights. More lights, better lights, more fun. That's, That's about all Dancing Lights does. Yeah. Next up. Druidcraft. Druidcraft. Uh, pretty simple. Anything, any hand magic you can think of doing as a as a druid. There you go. Grow little plants. Make some harmless sensory effects of, uh, of of puffs and things like that. Snuff out candles. It's it's one of those uh, hand magic quality of life spells. One of yep. the three. The prestidigitation for druids, mm-hmm. if you will. At fifth level. You gain a deeper control over the elements, allowing you to shield a 10-foot radius sphere centered on you from snow and rain for an hour. Dim fires, instead of snuffing them out, recreate 
louder effects like a roar of a tiger or a rumble of thunder, as well as effects related to burning, such as acrid scent of smoke or burning wood. Additionally, you may touch a creature and remove any smell from it. A bit more usefulness. Keep your camp set clean. Yep. That's, that's about it. 11th level. You may choose to affect all plants within range when you use the cantrip. Make all seeds sprout, all flowers blossom, all fruit ripen. You may also create opposite effects. Make seeds infertile, plants wilt, and leaves dry. When lighting or snuffing out small fires, you may affect all of them within range. So instead of having to focus it on a single thing, you just get a radius effect that you can do pretty much whatever you want as an action. Mm Mm-hmm. Affecting nature around you. And then finally, at 17th level, the range of your camp trip increases to 60 feet. Within your 10-foot radius sphere, you may also control the temperature, making it neutral, mildly warm, or mildly cold. Uh, very helpful for a good huddled-up long rest out in the wilderness, being able to just make it a, a comfortable temperature and not have to deal as much with the elements around you. Yeah. All just, all just neat, more useful, more freeing. Honestly, they're pretty much just... It's its almost solidifying just things that the druid might ask to be able to do anyway. Exactly. Like, can I guard this... You know, can I guard this flame? Yeah, sure. Okay. Now there's, now we officially say, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Well, not officially, but this homebrew, this person, has said, ah, you may officially do this. Yes. Yes. And it also just kind of fulfills the fantasy of just being so powerful that you can, on a whim, just, like, affect all of the nature within sight of mm-hmm. you basically if you're in a forest it's pretty cool next up we have the friends cantrip Cast- what's the friends cantrip do samuel casting friends gives you advantage on all charisma checks against a target that is not hostile against you for one minute concentration and then they know then at the dm's discretion they may or may not attack you yes a useful cantrip i find it a little bit difficult to use because of the time restraint on it yeah uh and I'm always worried that if I were to take it and cast it on someone that they would like get pissed at me and any sort of negotiation that happens or information gathering is going to go down like South, you know, anyway, yeah. At fifth level, the affected creature doesn't magically turn hostile, but it fully knows that you affected it with magic. Creatures may still seek retribution and a creature prone to violence might still attack you. So it's it's taking it from anybody's going to be mad, everybody's going to be mad at you to like some people might some people are going to be, most people are still probably going to be mad at you or some people might just be pissed off makes one of the major detriments into a minor detriment indeed eleventh level you may substitute the somatic and material components of this cantrip with just verbal components making it a bit more stealthy for you to be able to cast it without others around being able to tell that you're magically affecting someone if you're simply having a conversation. And at 17th level, the cantrip no longer requires concentration when you cast it. Again, quality of life. Again, quality of life. If you're if you're like a, an illusionist, sort of enchantment wizard of some sort, you're going to have a lot of fun with the with the friend's cantrip if you're leveling it up. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Guidance. Guidance. One of my favorite cantrips. I don't need you to tell everyone what happens. As an action, you can touch someone for the next minute. They can choose to add a d4 to any ability check mm-hmm. that they make. Um, very, very much, I think, uh, often hated upon, but then, uh, by a large amount of the community, but then popularized by, um, uh, Critical Role's campaign too, where it was cast a lot, a lot. One of the, one of the most cast spells in general, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Uh, uh fifth level, the range of the cantrip increases to 10 feet. 
Meaning you don't have to exactly touch them. Which, oh, that's always great. Useful, but not the biggest deal. No, but... I mean, there are, if you if you think about, like, combining that with uh, certain feats, like Spell Sniper, which Spell Sniper, I think, says as long as it's, bas- basically, I'm paraphrasing here, as long as it's not a touch spell, the range increases. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's always something. Another, in- th- this is an interesting one. At 11th level, if the target rolls a 1 on the D4, the cantrip doesn't end until the target either rolls a number higher than 1 or the duration ends. A free use without having to spend your action, I guess, if you if it goes poorly. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I don't feel like it'd be particularly... It would come up particularly often. It wouldn't. I mean, it, again, if you're casting it a lot and suddenly like, okay, maybe it's an intense negotiation. All right, before we go in, guiding you. First one, they, they, like, they roll it and they're like, I got a one, but I still succeeded. Well, okay, now we just have another chance to do better. A later. Um, That's fair. And then finally, at 17th level, you can select two creatures within range and have them both affected while casting the cantrip. Uh, I get the vibe that uh, the creators of this realized that Guidance is a good cantrip and didn't want to make it too, too powerful. That's... I mean, that's possible. Um, I've actually seen uh, a a, a subclass, a cleric subclass... Um, based around not the guidance cantrip, not the guidance cantrip, but the uh, bane spell, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel that this that you could kind of it, it's it's leaning into that direction where you could almost start to build a bless bane guidance cleric. Just that's all you cast, or something like that's that. That's like your main kit. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you get at higher levels. I mean, your first level spell slots. Got to use it on something. Mm-hmm. It gives you an easy concentration, and then you can get as a cleric out your your um, spiritual weapons, your big non concentration spell. Love oh, that yeah. spell, and then you can do a bunch of instantaneous non concentration things, and just have your standard. You know, it's going to be useful. You know, it's reliable. It's just as good when you get it at level one as it is at level twenty. Oh yeah. Just moving on. Buff, 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 buff. All right. Buff, buff, buff. Moving Gust. on. Gust. What does Gust do? Gust, you seize the air and compel it to create one of the following effects. Uh, you can cause a small or medium creature to make a strength throw or be pushed five feet away from you. Uh, you can make a small blast of air that's capable of moving an object no more than five pounds, and you can push it ten feet, um, but not hard enough to cause damage. Uh, or you can create harmless sensory effects, such as the rustling of leaves. At fifth level, your gust becomes wider, capable of pushing large creatures five feet and pushing all small objects that weigh no more than five pounds and aren't held or carried that fit within a five-foot cube away from you. Also, the cantrip may now hedge out vapor within a five-foot cube. So like your fog cloud, your cloud kill. Yeah. Um, Bit niche. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Eleventh level, your gust becomes stronger. You may push medium or smaller creatures 10 feet and objects that weigh up to 5 pounds 20 feet. By aiming a gust underneath yourself, you can increase your high jump and long jump distances by 5 feet. That's the interesting use there. I th- There's the jump spell that helps with uh, high jump and long jump. Yes. But not 
the best spell choice, especially with a lot of uh, classes that have very limited spell casting. Mm-hmm. Your sorcerer, your warlock. Um, I would even argue the wizard. They have so many spells that taking it and then prepping it every day is not really worth. Oh, oh, the cat's moving. The cat's stretching. Oh, and, and we're getting a re- we're getting a readjust. Are you leaving? No, she's clawing. Don't eat that. No, hey, don't, don't don't do that. Don't no 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 no. We don't eat those. Lay down. Very good. Uh, but yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> the just real quick, the 17 level just increases everything even more. Um, your high jump, your long jump, and the abound you can push things to 10 uh, feet. But the jump spell, honestly, like you're saying, every day to prepare it, you'd have to be like you have to be in very specific situations. And and I think like as you're saying for people who can cast if you're using the traditional casting system in here where you have four first level spells a day um maybe not the best if you were perhaps using the um variant rule of the spell points a bit more useful a bit more useful where you have that more flexibility to cast different spells i like it it makes more use as as most of the things here just a little bit different a little more useful Mm -hmm. all good next up we have light light you touch one object that is no larger than 10 feet in any dimension uh, until the spell ends, you shed bright light in a 20-foot radius, an additional 20-foot radius of dim light. Uh, the light can be colored as you wish. Um, oh, the only exception is if you try to cast it on a hostile creature, it can make a save. Yeah. Level 5, your light cantrip can shed bright light, up, bright light up to 20 feet in radius to a minimum of 5 feet in dim light for an additional distance equal to the bright light radius. While the light is within 300 feet of you, and you can see it, you can use your bonus action to change the color of the l- and the brightness of the light. Make it a little more dancing lightsy. Yeah. Very, level el- level 11. Level 11. You may shoot the cantrip out in a bolt of light. It has a range of 120 feet. and is under the same limitations as in the description. Unwilling targets must succeed on a dexterity saving throw to avoid the spell. So if you want to cast light on someone... That is hostile. You have range to it. Add a bit more range to it, and it changes the spells or changes the save to a dexterity saving throw. Seventeenth mm-hmm. level, the light cantrip can shed bright light up to forty feet in radius to a minimum of five feet in dim light for an additional distance equal to the bright light radius, making it more light. Yeah, more light, better range when you shoot it at someone, which is not something that I would ever really think to do. Yeah, I, I can. T- I, I mean, maybe if you like wanted to, like look and see down a tunnel, just mew. Okay, neat. Yeah. Next, one of the top tier cantrips, oh, mage yes. hand. Mage hand. Create a spectral hand. Float uh, at a point you choose within range. Um, the hand vanishes if it is ever more than thirty feet away from you, or cast a spell again. You can use your action to control the hand and use it to manipulate objects. Uh, you can move the hand up to 30 feet uh, each time you use it, and the hand cannot activate magical items or carry more than 10 pounds. At fifth level, you ignore the verbal component when casting the cantrip. You may make the mage hand fully visible. Being able to silently cast it is awesome. Love, love removing a verbal component. Love removing a verbal component. Now you just flick your hand and it is there. Indeed. And you can make it look like a hand. And just be there. Pretty creepy. 
Oh yeah, you can you can do some weird kinky stuff as a bard. Oh, I'm gonna do some weird shit. Do weird shit. Eleventh level, the distance of the cantrip increases to sixty feet, and you may change its visual style as long as it still has the structure of a hand. So instead of just making it like a uh, Smash Brothers style white hand, <laughs> you can now make it like a sexy hand. A sexy hand for this bard situation <laughs> that we're dealing with. Seventeenth level. Mage Hand can carry up to 20 pounds and can be made to appear up to two times bigger than normal. There, There's more sex jokes that can be there's, made. There. Uh, yo, yeah. Again, yeah. some upgrades that are not as consequential as some of the other cantrips because Mage Hand is already really, really useful. And it already has uh, the... Uh, oh, is it the Arcane Trickster has buffs to Mage Hand as well? Oh, man. An Arcane Trickster would love all of this. Oh, so, yeah. so much. So, so much. Just so much. So much. Moving on, magic stone. You touch one to three pebbles and imbue them with magic. You or someone else can make a ranged spell attack with one of the pebbles. Uh, if it is thrown, it has a range of 60 feet. If someone else attacks with the pebble, the attacker uses your spellcasting mod on the attack roll. On a hit, it deals bludgeoning damage equal to 1d6 plus your spellcasting mod. Hit or miss... The spell then ends on that stone. You cast Blade Ward on yourself. That and damage would not be negated. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Exactly. Uh, it is no. It should be noted that the Magic Stone is a bonus action cantrip. A bonus action cantrip. Love a bonus action. Love a bonus action cantrip. At fifth level, you may enchant any small non-magical object that fully fits in your palm and weighs less than one pound. For example, you can enchant a playing card or a needle, but not a vial with a magical potion. You may enchant up to five objects at the same time. Additionally, an object enchanted in this way can ricochet off an object once without losing any of its speed, potentially allowing it to be shot behind a corner. If you do not see the target, the attack is made with disadvantage. Interesting. That is interesting. I This this uh, magic stone with, with just that, that fifth level buff, could be an entire build on its own. Oh my gosh. That that could be an entire like magic initiate weird fighting style fighter right there. Throne fighting style. Oh, throne weapon fighting. Now you're, now you're speaking my fucking language, dude. Eleventh <laughs> level. If the enchanted object hits the target, it ricochets once. You may make a second attack roll with disadvantage against a target within ten feet of the original target. You cannot attack the same target twice. And then finally, at seventeenth level, you can enchant up to ten objects. And may choose for them to slowly float around you a few inches out without dealing damage. So now you just get to be like magic stones, and then they just float around you looking cool, and you can go, kind of like Gambit. It's a cool visual. Oh, yeah. Love, love visual. a good visual. Very ev- the, the buff is very evocative, and, and now that you've said the thrown weapon fighting style, I mean, it, it probably not a very meta or very powerful build, but a very interesting and uh flavorful build for sure definitely since you can now enchant a playing card so the best way to, best way to live out your x-men gambit dreams oh yeah oh yeah i mean I'm, I'm sure there's some very creative people out there who could make that build very useful very maybe not your frontline damage dealer maybe not your your you know healer probably not your healer probably not but next up the mending. mending. This spell repairs a single breaker tear in an object. 
basically as long as the break or tear is no longer is no larger than one foot in any dimension you mend it leaving no trace of former damage this spell can physically repair magic items or uh, can physically repair magic items construct but the spell cannot restore magic to such an object at fifth level the spell can partially reconstruct mundane objects even if four-fifths of the object is present or the cumulative corrosive damage to a weapon is mo- no more than minus three. For example, you may restore a key that has a small part of the tip missing, or restore a chipped sword. Sword. You know what I can see people who I know doing with this? I'm taking every key I can find. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was... I'm fixing it. I, I was going to say, uh, you know that thing you can do where if you mail dollar bills to the U.S., treasury and as long as three quarters of the bill is still there they will send you a whole new bill <laughs> and the idea is for you could tear a, a tear a quarter off of four or off of three bills and send them each individually and make an extra dollar it's a lot of work it's a lot of work but i can see some people we know being like that's all i do that's all i do for my two months of downtime great doesn't work yep yep <laughs> government does government doesn't do that here 11th level, the spell can mend any amount of fragments of an object that could fit in a volume of a one-foot cube, or a tear that is three feet in any dimension, or a weapon destroyed by rust or corrosion. Fun. You can fix bigger things. It's the, it's the evolution. It's the natural evolution of this spell. And then 17th, the spell can mend any amount of fragments of an object that could fit in a volume of a five-foot cube, or a tear that is ten feet in any dimension. So theoretically... Hypothetically. Would you be able to mend something that has been atomized to dust, but fits within a five-foot cube? That's pretty dope. That's that's something that you would ask your DM, and they'd be like, fuck, now I have to think about that. (laughs) Next up, another very useful cantrip that I'm a fan of, message. Message, yes. You point your finger towards a creature within the range and whisper a message. The target, and only the target, can hear the message. And can reply with whisper. That is only a message you can hear. Um, you can cast the spell through solid objects, as long as you are familiar with the target uh, and know it's beyond the barrier. Um, there's some stuff that'll block it. The normal stuff will block it. Lead, wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the spell doesn't have to be in a straight line. It can freely travel on corners or through openings. Very neat. Uh in competition for one of the most spells for one of the spells that was most cast during campaign two of critical role yes. message yes at fifth level you ignore the somatic component of the cantrip cool stealth message there you go 11th level the range increases to 300 feet now that long message that is something that's nice that's nice that's a that's, that's nice. a walkie-talkie at, at minimum oh yeah 17th level the effect changes to a telepathic connection you no longer have to whisper the message and may transmit it mentally alongside a simple mental mental image. You may ignore the verbal component of this cantrip. Just turning it into tele- telepathy. Yeah. I mean, by I, I, at 17th level, you, you expect you somebody know. in the party to have telepathy uh, kind of anyway. So, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take message specifically for that. You know, if I was, like, starting a campaign, I wouldn't take message specifically for that 17th level effect. Yeah. But, but pretty neat. Still probably take messages. It's a good cantrip. Next up, one of the great cantrips. Minor okay. illusion. Oh boy, it's a long one. It's a long one. I'm going to paraphrase it. 
You can create a sound or image of an object within range that lasts for the duration. If you create a sound, its volume can range from a whisper to a scream, and you can make it sound like whatever you can mentally imagine it sounding like. Uh, the object can, is going to be something static that can be no larger than a five-foot cube. Um, it cannot create sound, light, smell, or any other sensory effects, and does not hold up to physical inspection. Uh, and creatures can make investigation checks against your spell save DC to see if it's real. You want to hustle some people on the street? <laughs> Get some little street magic going? Yeah. Make a little pocket change? Good to go. There you go. At fifth level, you may create up to two images of objects or sounds that must fit in a five-foot cube. At 11th level, you may create up to five images of objects or sounds that must fit into a five-foot cube, and the range of the cantrip increases to 60 feet. And then at 17th level, you may create any amount of images of objects or sounds that must fit in a five-foot cube. Again, an already really, really good cantrip that they just kind of incrementally just kind of turn up just a tiny little bit Mm -hmm. because it's very easy to make it way too powerful. Have you ever seen the argument of that uh, the minor illusion is a better disengage? I feel like this is going to annoy me, but yes. It annoyed me, so probably. So the argument, I I saw this on TikTok. I don't remember the, uh, the creator who said it. But uh, basically, since it is a solid object, um, when you use the... Uh, you can cast this, and then if it's a solid object, the opponent hypothetically can't see you through the uh through the you know if you make a wall it would have to fit into a five foot cube but no one says you can't turn that cube straight up and make it flat make it pointy um so hypothetically you can have like a seven and a half foot wall and then the opponent can no longer see you so they can no longer attack you as you run away and he said that the bonus was they might waste their next turn investigating to see if the wall was real I hate that. I hate that so much, but I agree. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, uh, no. Yeah. All right. Well, that was annoying. Moving on. Mold Earth, I believe that is a Xanathar's cantrip that just Mm -hmm. lets you... But Mold Earth, you can can change some Earth in a certain amount of space. Uh, You can excavate Earth instantly. Um, You can change the shape, color, and appearance of both dirt and stone. And uh, you can make it difficult terrain. At fifth level, you can have up to five non-instantaneous effects of the cantrip active at a time, and you can dismiss all of the effects as an action. At eleventh level, the shapes and colors you make appear on the dirt or stone last for twelve hours. You can move it up to five cubic feet of earth along the ground and deposit it up to fifteen feet away. Additionally, you may excavate even packed earth. At seventeenth level, the shapes and colors you make appear on the dirt or stone last for twenty-four hours. You may cause all dirt or stone within five feet of you to turn into difficult terrain, including the ground on which you stand for 24 hours. Also, you may mold up to 10 cubic feet of stone. Now, that 17th level one is interesting, because given enough time, 24 hours, you can set up a battlefield of, of difficult terrain mm-hmm. that you can then create a, a, a distance between you and an opposing force. Oh, yeah. If you want to set up something where, you know, you have a really good set of archers or spellcasters who have ranged spells. Suddenly, a thirty-foot, uh, a thirty-foot set, uh, a thirty-foot block of terrain now becomes a technically six, a sixty-foot block of terrain. All very good. 
Moving on to the bread and butter, do everything cantrip of the Arcane Casters. Prestidigitation. Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. Um, as everyone knows, you can create sensory effects. You can light or snuff out small flames, soil or clean, clean an object, chill it warm or flavor food, uh, make a small mark or symbol appear on a surface for an hour, or create a small non-magical trinket or illusory image that can fit in your hand. At fifth level, you can have up to five non-instantaneous effects of the cantrip active at a single time and can dismiss all of the effects as an action. You can also dry any creature within range. At 11th level, the range of the cantrip increases to 30 feet, and you may create non-magical or illusory image trinkets that can fit in both of your hands. And you may light or snuff out all candles and torches and small campfires within range. 17th level, you may clean or soil an object no larger than 5 cubic feet and can chill warm flavor up to 5 cubic feet of non-living material. The duration of all your non-instantaneous effects increases to 8 hours, and you may also create a non-magical trinket or illusory image that can fit in a 1-foot cube. Just small incremental increases because, again, it is already one of the most useful and most versatile cantrips that is available to Arcane Casters. Love it. Love it. Love it. One of the least picked cantrips. Resistance. Resistance. One action. You touch a willing creature, and before that spell ends, the target can roll a d4 and add that number to its saving throw of its choice. Using an action for a single d4 once only against saving throws. Yeah. Tisk tisk tisk. At fifth level, the range of the cantrip increases to ten feet. Tisk tisk tisk. Eleventh level. The target rolls a one on the d4, the cantrip does not end, and the target can until the target either rolls a number higher than one or the duration ends. 17th level, you may select two creatures within range to have them both affected while casting this cantrip. Sadly, resistance gets the guidance treatment, but it's not as good as guidance to begin with, so it probably needed quite a bit more. Yeah, especially since the guidance is a non... It is a almost very specifically a non-combat spell, uh, whereas resistance is supposed to be a combat spell. You very rarely know when you're going into situations, I'm going to have to make a saving throw. Why? Why... Why it isn't a bonus action cantrip is beyond me. I feel like if it's a bonus action cantrip, then keep everything exactly the same and it's good. Straight up. You know what? I agree. I agree. Next up, Shape Water. I believe a Xanathar's thing as well. Yes. You choose a five-foot cube of water and you can manipulate in the following ways. Uh, You can change the direction. You can change... You can animate it simply. You can change the color or opacity, and you can freeze the water, provided there are no living creatures in the water. At fifth level, well, I'm, I'm just going to say this has the same uh, this has the same treatment as a minor image as Shape Flame. Five more non-instantaneous. Um, you can dis- dismiss as an action. Additionally, if the water does not have any creatures in it, you can boil it instead of freeze it. Eleventh level, you manipulate the liquid. You can manipulate a liquid that is at least half made of water. Such a liquid would fit in a one-foot cube. You can make it move through the air within range. You can water bend. You can water if bend. you want to splash the liquid onto a creature, you can make you, it can make a dexterity saving throw to dodge out of the way. You can throw acid on people now if it's half water. 17th level, you can control to five separate groups of liquid that would each fit in a one-foot cube at the same time. The duration of your non-instantaneous effects increases to eight hours. The standard fare. 
but the but the whole water bending image is pretty cool. They they literally literally add a image of waterbender yes. above it. <laughs> beautiful art. That one beautiful. Very Avatar the Last Name Raider. Next next a spell that I really like for the druid. Shillelagh. Shillelagh? Shillelagh. Shillelagh? Shillelagh. 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 Uh, as you take a wooden object that you're holding and imbue it with nature's power for the duration, uh, you can cast use you can attack using your spell casting ability instead of strength for the weapon attack and damage rolls, and the de- weapon's damage die becomes a d8. The weapon also becomes magical if it isn't already. Now, this is one of the few cantrips that are included here that are technically a damage-dealing cantrip, but it is one of the damage-dealing cantrips that doesn't actually increase the number of damage dice that are used, much like a firebolt or an Eldritch Blast would. Yeah, it, al- so, almost, feels like they, it almost feels like they forgot it. Well, I think they, they mean Shillelagh as something that is just kind of a backup plan, really. But at the same it's time... Thought. But at the same time, like... You're gonna. I mean, yes, you're gonna have more powerful spells to cast down the line. Mm-hmm. Maybe Shillelagh is not gonna be your first choice, but same with Firebolt. Agreed. I highly doubt that. You know. Agreed. Uh, yeah, exactly. But so, so one of the big, one of the standards across. You get the additional D8 at five to two D8. You get an additional D8 at eleven to three D8, and an additional D8 level seventeen to forty-eight. Also at level five, you can use this cantrip on any weapon made of wood. Additionally, as an action, you can make a special attack that releases the magical powers imbued in the weapon. Make a melee spell attack against the target. On a hit, the weapon deals an extra 1d8, 2d8 total, and the spell ends. Special attack goes up to 3d8 at 11 as well. Goes up to 4d8 at level 17. And when you cast Shalala at 17th level, you you may apply it to two weapons you were holding at the same time. Your standard buffs. That you would expect from a damage dealing cantrip and a nice little little special attack mm-hmm. as well. Neat. Neat. Next up. Next up is Spare the Dying. Uh, you touch a living creature that has zero hit points and the creature becomes stable. This spell has no effects on undead or constructs. Another one of the con- uh, uh, cantrips that is often very much disliked by the community. Yeah, I think it gets in, lo- most of its hate is a bit unnecessary. It serves its purpose. It's uh, it's very useful at lower levels before you have Revivify. And it's useful to prevent the need to spend valuable material components on resurrection spells. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's nearly as bad as people give it credit for. I agree. And I uh, the I believe the Grave Cleric has some buffs already to it. Let's Indeed. lay them cast it at range, and I think it's yeah. a bonus action, maybe. Yeah. The Grave Cleric will love this. At fifth level, the range of the cantrip increases to 15 feet. At 11th level, you may ignore the somatic components of this cantrip, so you can verbally do it. 17th level, you may target all dying creatures of your choice within a 10-foot radius around the original target. The affected creatures restore a single hit point after one minute unless they start dying again. So this spell can now help people get up immediately after combat without having to use healing magic on Mm -hmm. them. Very, very useful. All very reasonable. And I can tell that the designer of this homebrew kind of acknowledges that, yeah, the spell is better than people give it credit for. Yes, I, I think. And, and they didn't overdo it. Second to last, we've got Prestidigitation's brother, Thaumaturgy. It's true, though. Uh, Thaumaturgy. 
Another hand, uh, hand magic one. Uh, you can boom your voice up to three times as loud, cause flicker, uh, flames to flicker. Uh, you can cause some harmless tremors in the ground. You can create sounds of dismay, really. Mm -hmm. uh, the rolling below thunder, thunder, cry of a raven, or ominous whispers. You can unlock a door, or uh, you can instantaneously cause unlocked doors or windows to fly open or slam shut, and you can alter the appearance of your eyes for a single minute. This is the haunted house cantrip. This is the haunted house cantrip, often attributed to warlocks and tieflings. Yes. At fifth level, you can change your voice to sound more angelic or more demonic for a minute. You can also magnify your voice up to five times. Megaphone spell. Megaphone oh. spell. Eleventh level. You can have up to four of the cantrips, one minute effects active at a time. You can choose to open or close all unlocked doors and windows within the spell's range. The earth tremors you cause are strong enough to make objects within the area of effect rattle without damaging them. Even better haunted house magic. <laughs> and then at 17th level, you can choose to make all objects that aren't being worn or carried within the spell's range take one damage. Whether through a loud noise, intense tremor, or unseen waves or splashes, the duration of your one-minute effects also extends to an hour. The 17th level one I find a bit interesting. The deal damage to objects. Yeah. Even more haunted housey. <laughs> it makes all the haunted housey effects more haunted housey and last longer. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with it. Still, I'm going to take prestidigitation. Thank you. Yeah. Thaumaturgy is already useful, already gets plenty of play, and now it just is a little bit better. A little more fun. And finally, one of the most reviled cantrips in the PHP. True strike. Should be removed from the book. You should get a Sharpie and just black it out. I hate it. I hate, I hate true strike. You, you have this book. You could do that. Yeah. Um, you extend your hand and point your fingers at a target in range. Your magic grants you a brief insight into that defense on your next turn. You gain advantage on your first attack roll against the target, provided the spell hasn't ended. Here's the problem with true strike. You use an action and do nothing on this turn. Next turn, you get advantage on an attack. So you roll two dice, you make one attack. Or... You could, on your first turn, roll one dice, make an attack. And then on your next turn, roll one dice and make an attack. Thus rolling two dice and possibly making two attacks and not just one. And here's the thing. If you get hit in that minute, you have a, or in, in, that, in that round, yeah. you have a chance to lose concentration. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad spell. It's not worth taking. No. There are so many more useful cantrips. I almost before. don't even want to tell you what the benefits as you level up are to true strike, but I will. I because feel obligated. You're a benevolent god. I am benevolent. You're a river to your people. Something like that. At fifth level, your next attack gains a plus five bonus to the attack roll instead of gaining advantage, and the spell no longer requires concentration. I think a plus five. And kind of interchangeable with advantage. Still, you're using your action... To forego an attack to do better on another attack, mm -hmm. which I don't like. Eleventh level, the duration of the cantrip extends to one minute, and you learn what the target's lowest saving throw between strength, dexterity, and constitution. Useful intel gathering makes it a little bit more worthwhile playing, but at eleventh level, there's probably better ways to gain intel, and you might just be better served attacking. Yeah. Seventeenth level. 
You may spread the bonus to one ally within range of the spell when you cast it. Finally, instead of... (laughs) Instead of... (laughs) Instead of making two attacks with two dice, you now make two attacks with two dice. True Strike is bad. Don't take it. Even with this, don't take it. It's bad. It's it's not. They there there was there is there is like one the preparatory. I'm looking. Okay, now I'm going to jump down and attack. That comes up so little, and there are so many other options. There are so many other ways to gain advantage. This is not. If I were given true strike for free as an additional cantrip to my arsenal, I might say no, just to spite it. Just don't like it to spite it because there's other things you could cast in the preparatory round before combat that would be better than true strike yeah (laughs) you could cast a mage armor you could cast a mirror image you could get a fire shield going you could get a buff spell going you could like come on there are probably literally a hundred different things you could do before you did true strike now now again keep the effect of this spell exactly the same and make it a bonus action and suddenly it becomes a really good spell mm-hmm. bonus action true strike then you attack you get free advantage yeah you know, if you uh if, you know you take a couple levels in rogue here or there there you go you can have advantage and get your get your um yeah. Sneak attack in. That, then, then suddenly True Strike becomes a must-take cantrip for Arcane Tricksters. Mm-hmm. Solving your problems for you. Just <laughs> forego all of that. Say it's a bonus action. Done. Anyway, if you, if you want to take a look at this homebrew for yourself, we will put a link to it in the description of the YouTube video of this podcast. Now, Samuel. Yes. We've reached the end of our time here. Yes, we have. Do we have any questions from the TikTok chat? Well, when I swiped away so that I could also look at the thing we were referencing, there was not. It was just Rachel saying things. Like, oh, yes, hello. Our friend, our friend Rachel. Thank you for saying hello. Let me, let me go, because it's not loading on mine. Let me go double check on your phone. No. Mm. She also said, big brother for the win. Big brother for the win. Big brother for the win. Very good. Thank you, Rachel. We love you. Personal friend of the show and us. Yes, both. We have your water bottle. It's in the background. Yes, we do have your water bottle. I will return it in the near future. You left it here. It's really hard to do a Q&A session without cues to A. Yeah, so I guess uh, guess this week we'll go ahead and bypass that section. We'll bypass that section. We've already been going for... Almost an hour and a half now. The cat is getting ready to move from her bed. Yes. I feel like the time has come. This was a little bit of a dry one. A little bit of a dry one. Not a lot going on this week. Nah, that's okay. We'll we'll be back in two weeks. Yep. Upcoming soon, we have Critical Role Presents Call of the Netherdeep. Very different. As well as Taldori Reborn. Yeah, that's what's going on in the near future. Uh, if there's any interesting topics of D&D that we could focus uh, an entire episode around. Uh, we would we have a couple of ideas on our own. I think we might talk about some of Matt Mercer's homebrew. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's a, he has a lot. We may address just the subclasses that we've seen play. We may discuss just the gunslinger and firearm mechanics in general. We may end up talking about some of our own homebrew that yes. we may be creating, possibly releasing on DriveThruRPG for free. Pay what you want. For free. For free. If you want it to be. If you love us a lot. You can we, go over there. Best way to support us at the moment. Yeah. Not DriveThruRPG yet. Not yet. End of the month. End, end of the month. month. End of the month. End of the month. By the end of the month. It might be out by the time we post this. It could. If it we could. really if we really dug deep. We could. I don't think we will, but it could. Anyway. Not a lot going on. If there's an honor, if they drop an unearthed arcana, they we drop all, us, if they drop a survey. We'll be all over that shit. You'll you'll feel us. We we already did the spell surveys. That was a good episode. That was a good episode. That was a quality episode. You should check that out. That was episode three. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. Anyway. Check out our other socials. TikTok, Dungeon Bros YT, YouTube, YouTube, subscribe, Twitter, follow Dungeon Bros YT, Dungeon Bros YT, Uh, podcasting services, round the globe, Apple, Google, Spotify. If you like this, give us a five-star review. Say something to people. if, if, If you don't love us and you would leave a review that is less than four stars, don't. Just don't. It's okay. We don't need it. We know we know we can improve. We've got a lot of room for improvement. We do, we do. Uh, but you could always hop into our Discord and give us some suggestions. We 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 like constructive criticism. We love constructive criticism. We do not like destructive criticism. On on the on the topic of our Discord, I want to shout out Ariel E R I O N E L for joining the Discord, as well as Mister Q. Mr. Q for joining the Discord. Thank Hi, you very Q. much. It was very appreciated. You can find a link to join the Discord server in the link tree, in the bio of like all of our stuff. In the doobly-doo. In the doobly-doo of the YouTube video. If you're watching on a podcast service around the globe, sorry. Go over to our YouTube. You can't, you can't really put links in the description of those. No. It's not a thing that they let you do. Yet. Yet. We'll make a change. We'll make we'll, them change. We'll force them. Oh, we'll force them, all right. Oh, we'll force them. Anyway, it's been a joy as always. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll let we'll let the dulcet, not dulcet, the pretty, beautiful, hobbity tones from our good friend Andy Gray come.